Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Kia ora, podcasters. This is TJ, and this is New Zealand Mysteries. Thank you so much for being here. This episode is a little different than usual. I am not covering a New Zealand case. I am looking into a very well-known case from the US, and that is the case, it's a Delphi case, the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German uh, from Delphi, Indiana. If you're not aware, uh, New Zealand Mysteries has a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, both called New Zealand Mysteries, funnily enough. The story is to prepare for a live interview I have planned with a YouTuber who I consider a bit of an expert on the case and his name is Anthony Greeno and he has a YouTube channel called True Crime Investigates. The interview is going to be on the 23rd of July at 2pm, a Friday and that is New Zealand time. I would love for you to join us on YouTube if you can. But if you're not going to be watching from New Zealand, you're going to have to check your local times. I know for him, on Indiana, it's going to be at 10pm the previous night. Um, it's sort of been really hard to get a time when we're both awake <laughs> and able to do it a good time. So that's what we came up with anyway. I'm not sure if I can record the interview and upload it to the podcast because my computer is too crappy, but I'm going to try and figure something out. So this story takes place in Delphi and it's a city in the US state of Indiana. Delphi is home to a large network of parks and trails, numerous shops, restaurants and heritage and cultural attractions. The population at the 2010 census was 2,893. The lucky thing for us is that Anthony Greeno either lives in Delphi or he's from Delphi or he's very close to it, something like that. And um, he's made numerous videos um, about it and I can, yeah, I do consider him a bit of an expert actually, so it's going to be great. Now, on February the 13th, 2017, best friends, Abigail Williams, who is known as Abby. She's 13. She's been told that she's a happy, outgoing young girl. And Liberty German, 14, we call Libby, she loved baking. They had the day of school, a snow day. It was a Monday. The two girls attended Delphi Community Middle School where they played saxophone and volleyball together. At 1.35pm on that Monday, the girls were dropped off at the Monon High Bridge Trail by Libby's older sister Kelsey. So this place is just full of trails and there's a stream and a, or a creek I should say and a bridge. Now the girls decided to cross the Monon High Bridge which is an old unused rail bridge. The bridge is dangerous with some of the cross posts called uh, ties missing or rotten. It's horrible bridge let me say if you have if you've not seen the photos go and find a photo uh, the moon on high bridge trail attracts hunters fishers campers kids hiking or just taking photos of the popular spot this bridge 
is also known just as the high bridge it spans deer creek and is 1300 feet long for us kiwis that's just under 400 meters in length so it's huge lengthwise and it's 63 feet uh tall which is about 20 meters for us kiwis and that's pretty damn high the bridge is believed to be indiana's second tallest bridge it carried trains high above deer creek until it was abandoned by csx in 1987. i've seen numerous pictures of this bridge and let me tell you yeah no way i'm walking across there i think i would have to crawl and i would probably only get three feet before i froze and i'd have to go back there's just no way so horrible so at 2.07 p.m. that day, Libby actually posted a pic of Abby walking on the high bridge onto Snapchat. That was the last time, though, the girls were heard from. The girls were due to be collected in the trail car park at 3.15 p.m., but they failed to show up. By 5 p.m., the girls' families were out searching for them. At 5.30 p.m., the police were called and the girls were reported as missing. And by 6pm, most of the town had joined police, but the girls were not found. I can't imagine what it was like for the families um, at this stage, uh, knowing how cold it was and knowing that their two girls were not where they were supposed to be. The search resumed the next day, around noon, on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. The bodies of Abby and Libby were found by searchers about 15 metres from the north bank of Deer Creek on the 12 hectare property of a 77 year old who has never been considered a suspect. Police have never released details of how the girls were murdered. Um, in fact, the police have been very tight lipped about the case. This case became huge not just in Indiana or the US, but all around the world. Hundreds of media outlets, uh, podcasts, YouTubers have covered the case. If you're in the true crime community or a true crime nut, you would have heard it before. Um, and there has been expert analysis on every aspect of the crime and many videos made. Now, True Crime Investigates channel on YouTube has so many videos about if you want more information i'll have the link in the show notes let's keep going indiana state police began circulating an image of an individual reported seen walking on the monon high bridge this guy was a caucasian male head down with his hands in his pockets walking on the rail bridge and he was walking towards the girls who were on the other side of the bridge a few days later the person photographed was named the prime suspect in the murders of Abby and Libby and from then on this man has become known as Bridge Guy. On February 22 at a news conference law enforcement released an audio recording where the voice of the suspect can be heard to say down the hill. Officers stated that the footage and audio had come from Libby's phone. Libby was hailed as a hero for capturing the suspect on her phone so what abby must have done is seen this guy coming and knowing that wasn't good taking her phone out and a little recording and then she'd put the phone in her pocket while it was still recording um so it's amazing that this young girl had the presence of mind 
to do that when she was probably um, absolutely terrified. Law enforcement have alluded to having more info from Libby's phone, but have not released it. So yeah, Libby recorded the killer after she placed her phone with its video camera rolling in her pocket as he cornered them on the bridge. On July 17th, law enforcement released a sketch of a person of prime interest in the murders. It had apparently been drawn by police from eyewitnesses. During a press conference on April 22, which was a bit before that, they released a short video recording in which the blue-jeaned and jacketed suspect is seen walking along the rail bridge for just over a second. Then, oddly, an updated sketch of the suspect was also released. Law enforcement also explained that the previously released sketch of the suspect, which actually showed like an older man with a goatee and a cap, was now considered secondary to this new sketch. The new sketch showed a clean-shaven, younger-appearing individual, and I think he looks in his early 20s, to be honest. On the second sketch, the first sketch, I would have picked this guy in his 60s. So, really dramatic, different sketches. Although there's some similarities in just maybe the eyes and the mouth. If you go to Google and type out sketches from Delphi or something like that, they'll come up so you can have a look. Police said this person in the second sketch may range from 18 to 40, but cautioned that his, quote, youthful appearance could make him look younger than his true age. The police believed that the suspect might well be hiding in plain sight and that the person is almost certainly familiar with the area of Delphi, whether it be from living there or working there or for visiting or some other reason. Now, when you see him on the bridge, he looks quite confident. He's looking down, which you have to because of how bad, you know, the wooden things are. But, um, I mean, I don't think he'd look, in my opinion, look that confident if it was his first time on that bridge so my feeling is that he's been on that bridge before and my feeling is he knows the trails uh he know how to he knew how to corner the girls he knew where to take them in broad daylight where they wouldn't be heard or wouldn't be seen to kill them so i think that the police are right um and that he must come from delphi an additional plea was made for help in identifying a driver of a vehicle that was left abandoned off the Hoosier Heartland Highway in Delphi at a former child services office between noon and 5pm on the day of the murder. There have been a few persons of interest over the years, men that have resembled either the first or the second sketch, and we'll just quickly go over a few. Paul Etter was wanted for the kidnapping and rape of a 26-year-old man, no, a 26-year-old woman, on June 22nd in Tippecanoe County. Five days later, Edda was surrounded by police and after a five-hour standoff, he died by suicide on July 23, 2019. Daniel J. Nations was charged with threatening strangers on a monument trail with a hatchet. The expired Indiana plates on the car Nations was driving was noticed by police who discovered there was a warrant outstanding for him. It was reported that a bicyclist had been shot and died on the same trail at around the time that Daniel Nations was threatening strangers with his hatchet. 
But in early February 2018, authorities said that Nations was no longer considered an active person of interest. Thomas Bruce, who formerly worked as a pastor, is charged with fatally shooting one woman and sexually assaulting two others. His crimes were committed in broad daylight, the same as Delphi, and he was of similar stature as the male in the sketch, and he had worn a similar flat cap and navy blue jacket during his attack. Uh, so he was looked at. Charles Edridge was arrested on January 8, 2019 in Union City, Indiana, on charges of child molestation and child solicitation. Police in Randolph County alerted the FBI to a potential link between Eldridge and the Delphi murders on the account of a strong resemblance to the suspect sketch. This was, however, before the updated composite had been released. The latest person of interest, or uh, that we think, is a guy called James Brian Chadwell II, and he is a creep. On April 27th, 2021, they named James Brian Chadwell II as a new person of interest in the Delphi murders. Chadwell, 42, was arrested after a nine-year-old missing girl was found naked and covered in dog bites in his basement in Lafayette, Indiana. He bears an uncanny resemblance to a police sketch of the bridge guy he was not being formally named as a suspect. Um, as of July 2021, Chadwell was currently in jail awaiting trial on attempted murder, kidnapping, strangulation and child molestation charges. Law enforcement have not released any more info since then. So we don't know if Chadwell has been cleared or whether um, they're still looking at him as a person of interest. They have not said. Um, which just follows ev the whole way they've been through this case. They've just never uh, said much and it's caused a lot of frustration with the community saying, well, if you don't release any more information, how the hell are we going to help you find this guy, bridge guy? Police have alluded to having DNA from the crime scene um, of the suspect, but we actually don't know. It's something I'm going to have to ask Anthony because from what I've seen, they've alluded to having it, but have never confirmed. Most of the suspects for this crime um, have had an extensive criminal history. So to me, that would mean that their DNA and fingerprints would be on file and then they would be able to match them to the to the offenders that they're looking at and uh, rule them in or out. But we know that Paul Eater, another guy called Garrett Kurtz and Bruce Thomas were also eliminated as suspects and we don't know why or what they were eliminated on, um, whether it was DNA or not. Does that mean that Chadwell's DNA has been looked at but how long does DNA take if that's what they're doing um, or if he's been eliminated as a person of interest then they haven't told us because they haven't released any more information about him does that mean that if they didn't have DNA does that mean that it was the killer's first offence it seems like a huge crime to me for a first offence in my opinion so that's definitely going to have to be something that I ask Anthony about because that is confusing to me. A lot of that's confusing. So where is the case now? Well, the case remains unsolved. Investigators have 
being very tight-lipped, never releasing enough info, and everyone in the true crime genre is saying, you know, release a little bit more. We want to help you catch this killer, but if you don't release enough information, how the hell are we going to do that? The police, of course, have to protect the integrity of the case. And I don't think the public needs to know how the girls were killed. Um, it's morbid curiosity that people want to know, I guess, but we don't need to know. Um, that can be kept between the police and the family. How was the guy able to manage two girls? Uh, you know, what happens if one ran away and, well, they both ran away in separate directions, but for some reason or somehow he managed to coerce those girls or force them down the hill and across Deer Creek, which is a damn cold, huge creek. Um, was there a weapon involved? We don't know because the police have never told us. So we're just assuming that he must have had some sort of weapon to be able to control these two girls at that time. Did the muck up with the sketches mean that people have been searching for the wrong person all this time? So the two sketches of Bridge Guy uh, look totally different. One looks like a 60-year-old man with a flat cap and, and a goatee, and the other one is of a clean-shaven young guy with hair. And they've been telling us for years that this is Bridge Guy and this is who we're looking for or who you're looking for. And then they turn around and say, oh no, this is the new sketch. It's other one is secondary. So has people in Delphi or in Indiana, for that matter, been looking for the guy in the first sketch all this time? And looking at guys and ringing tips in for guys that look like this first sketch. That would be really bad if that had happened. Was the killer local? I mean, like I said, he seemed to get on that bridge okay. He knew where to park, because if that car that they were looking for was his, it wasn't in the, like, the car park that is generally used for the trails. It's parked in a different place with a, par with a pathway right up to the bridge. So he knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going, in my opinion. He knew the trails well. He knew where to take the girls um, like I said, so they couldn't be heard in the middle of the day when he killed them. There's been so many vigils and um, like walks, marches, and no one is forgetting about these two beautiful girls who were so brutally taken from their families. Uh, it's a case in the true crime community that everybody wants solved, and everybody actually wants answers. Um, more information it's I think when something like this a huge case is held back with so much information not being released it becomes more of a mystery the rumors and speculation and assumptions that have been around in this case because people are talking about it and making up stuff because they don't know what the truth is or they don't actually know what happened um, I really hope this case gets solved uh one in the u.s that bugs me i want to say thank you to aaron and ivy who went to buymeacoffee.com forward slash nz mysteries and shouted me a couple of coffees it all goes back into the maintenance of the channel so i really appreciate it any information you need and sources 
links all that stuff is going to be in the show notes please uh come and see us on youtube on the uh, 23rd of july in the youtube uh video i actually played some videos that anthony greeno has made um which give you gives more information but i just don't know how good the quality would be if i played them on the podcast so be sure to go over there and make be a subscriber as well because that would help me out um thanks for being here guys i really appreciate it i will talk to you next time be kind and be safe out there bye guys Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Leverage Redemption comes to IMDb TV, and the con is on and more exciting than ever. The team reunites as they take justice into their own hands, not to mention adding a few new exciting recruits. For this crew, the stealing is mutual. There's no shortage of bad guys, and the con game has only gotten more complicated. Don't miss out on the action-packed heist and discover why crime is fun when you're the good guys. Leverage Redemption, now streaming free on IMDb TV. IMDb TV is available on Fire TV, Roku, or anywhere Prime Video is available.